What's up, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to another edition of Mobile Coffee with Colin. Yes, I am traveling. I am actually uh, just outside of Chicago right now. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, it's time to grab your coffee. I know we're doing Coffee with Colin a little bit earlier today, um, and welcome everyone who's able to join us. Uh, today, I have got a friend of mine who's going to be talking all about filmmaking and TV making and what it's like to be a showrunner and a director and a producer on television shows. Um, I actually met this fine young gentleman at the Rama Drama Conference in West Palm Beach, Florida back in June. And I'm actually gonna be in Chicago this upcoming weekend for the next Rama Drama event where two Hallmark movies are gonna be premiering. Uh, while you guys are here on the chat, feel free to type in any questions that you, are, that you may have for my guests. Uh, thank you for joining us from Sweden. We have Marika, we have Cheyenne, we have Charlene, we have Milagros, we have Lillian. What's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we are, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but uh, I, I mean, Thanksgiving, I just, I think I ate a house this past weekend, um, but it was great to see my family. And I am, uh, again, like I said, I was traveling and I've got my, uh, my Starbucks going on here. So wherever you are at, feel free to grab coffee or any sort of adult beverage that you want. Um, and uh, be sure to also download the particular app. Particular is the app that allows you to find out where all the best movies are trending, where you can watch them. And uh, you can find out wherever any of your favorite actors are, wherever their projects are. Um, particular was created by my friend Todd Courtney, and it is an amazing app to stay connected with the newest and best movies out there. And at the end of the episode, we're going to be doing our particular pick six. And I have my, my uh, lit list up on particular. So you can go there and check out my favorite movies. And uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to give a little introduction to my next guest. Again, he is a director, writer, and showrunner on film and television and he has been doing both scripted and reality television. So this is going to be a great conversation talking about the differences between what it's like to direct a scripted TV show or film compared to a reality show. So he has done episodes of the Kardashians, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. He was a director on The Simple Life with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. He's done episodes of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. He's done 90 Day Fiance. And he's had two Hallmark films that he's also directed. And he's working on a couple of other projects. He and I are actually working on pitching a few projects right now to the different networks. So we're going to be talking about that as well. So again, if you have any questions, um, all you got to do is type it in the chat here, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn. And... Uh, yeah, this guy's just an all-around amazing, awesome dude. And he also happens to teach at the film and television. Um, he teaches film and television at Savannah College of Art and Design. So if you're interested in getting more information and learning more about what it's like to, uh, to work in the film industry, um, you can just move to Savannah for a semester and take his class. Anyway, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring to the stage Mr. Jeff Fisher. Oh, hey, man. Thank What's up, you dude? for that nice intro. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's good to good to see you as always. Good to see you as well. Um, and yeah, like I said, we met at Rama Drama a few months ago, and uh, since then I've been venturing into this whole world of of pitching and producing and trying to get my own projects off the ground. So I appreciate you being here so that we could have 
a conversation a little more in depth on what it really takes to get projects from the page stage that's <laughs> just words on a piece of paper all the way to what we see on TV and on the big screen. So thanks for being here. Hey, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us, Jeff, was act or was uh, filmmaking, was acting, was the entertainment industry, was that something that you were always interested in from an early age? Yeah, 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 man. I mean, I was like five years old. I think of my, uh, uh, like, a spoiler alert for our question later, but my, my mom took me to see The Poseidon Adventure, you know, which like the original or original one that they made. I was just obsessed with, with, with that, that movie. I'm sorry. Who was in that? The original. Oh, it was um, it was uh, Gene Hackman, uh, Shelley Winters, uh, Ernest Borgnine, uh, mm -hmm. Carol, Pamela Sue Martin. It was like one of those big kind of like little star-studded uh, cast that used to run on the the bottom of the movie poster. But okay. yeah, I just I was and. So like I kept asking, like who, you know, basically like who made it. My mom told me that there was like a, a director of the movie, and I was like, uh, that was the, that was my battle cry. I was always trying to trying to do that ever ever since. Okay, awesome. And since then, uh, then did you say, okay, mom, that's what I want to do. I want to go study film. And did you go to film school? Did you go to college for film? I did. I went to film school in your, you know, in your uh, hometown. I, I went to University of Florida for for the first two years, and I transferred to uh, Columbia College in Chicago. And I went to film school there. And um, dude, I was like, I was so psyched. I mean, it was like so exciting to like be be in a bigger city and trying to like you know be with other people that were like into movies and trying to make movies. It was a uh, it was a great experience because I'd been like trying to like you know make stuff with with my friends and you know yeah shoot promos for that yearbook in high school stuff like that you know so it was great to great to try and to learn more like eight millimeter like real film back then yeah it was it was more video cameras which weren't as sexy and then when i got to film school i got my hands on a bolex which would run the which would run the 16 millimeter film and you'd kind of splice it and you know do all the and and do the the sound editing make a little soundtrack separately so yeah okay not not sure. Like uh, the image you can get on that new iPhone, it, it's it's way it's way sexier. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's so great nowadays is that you can use these to actually film feature films. I mean, it's, it's crazy, crazy what you can do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty great camera. <laughs> yeah, and so um, how have you seen the industry change since from when you started to where it is right now with regards to? Um, people who are looking to get into the industry and uh, is it become more democratized with the ability to use these to, for anyone and everyone to get into the business or is there still a lot to learn with regards to, um, to breaking into the business? Such a great question, man. Um, well, so, so Colin, I mean, I think when I started, like, I remember when I got to Chicago, right. And I like got to actually make my first, like project and i had to get all that equipment right i had to get like the camera and the lighting packages like up to where i was living like off uh addison and and uh and uh like you know 3600 north and just getting this stuff up to up to my apartment uh in the winter on the l train i'm like wow i really have to you have to really want to do this right because it's such a mm -hmm. such an endeavor and now you kind of have that in your pocket 
so it, it's I think I think the point of entry to actually be able to make uh, make content is simpler because you can do it on your phone. You don't have to send film away to be processed. You don't have to, you know, you the you, you're not like hand splicing editing. So that stuff is is easier. Um, uh, and, and you have a distribution mechanism with things like TikTok and and uh, and YouTube, so you can really kind of get your get your stuff out there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it. I, I feel like the industry is really is is really competitive. And I know I've watched previous episodes of this, but I love I love your show, dude. By the way, I think you have you're so good at uh, Thank a great you. Yeah, great, uh, great interviewer. Um, it, uh, but like you know, as you as you've heard, I, I still think there's that there's something like to the old fashioned way of actually going out to you know going out to L.A. or New York and and trying to trying to break into that market because I feel like especially Los Angeles, like the industry the industry still kind of pulses out of there. They're still creating a lot of content and yeah. green lighting a lot of content uh, out there. So easier yeah. and, uh, and, and in some ways I think still worth, worth the leap. Yeah. And you're currently in Atlanta right now, right? I mean, right now I'm in, I'm in New York city. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I moved down to Atlanta like five and a half years ago after 23, 23 years in LA. Yeah. And was that for work that you moved to Atlanta for? Yeah, it was, you know, LA was, <clears throat> it, it was, it was getting to feel a little grindy, you know, after that time. And there was so much production going on in Atlanta and I'd had, a, I'd had some like extended jobs down there. I had some good, good friends down there. And, mm -hmm. and I thought it might be like a, a new way, you know, uh, a smart move right i but i um i don't know to, to be honest the jobs i'm still i'm going after they're still they're still coming out of la or new york so i find myself trying to trying to get there to to stay current you know as as much as i can yeah i mean because there is a ton of stuff shooting in atlanta i mean they're building it is it, it's shooting but by the time it gets on location it, it um you know the directors are has already been prepping, uh, you know, has already been hired and, and prepped. So I, I find like being out, being out in LA or being in New York, I'm, you know, I've got, I get more FaceTime with people that could actually, could actually hire me. So. Yeah. yeah. It, it is uh, pretty strange how, when I was living in Los Angeles, when people know that you're accessible in LA, it seems like movies get, or uh, meetings get pushed and rescheduled and, you know, when I say I'm only in LA for two days or three days, then there's a sense of urgency that people know that, well, you know, I'm only there for two or three days. So it's usually more effective with trying to actually meet with people. A hundred, hundred percent, man. This is so yeah. lame. I probably shouldn't, shouldn't say this, but so when I, when I first got to Atlanta and I was like trying to get back to LA, I would send these execs like emails be like hey i'm gonna be uh, i'm gonna be in la from you know june 3rd to june 6th would you have like you know five minutes to get together and catch up and literally when i get like three or four yeses i would book my i'd book my plane ticket i'd be like okay i'm, I'm gonna get i'm gonna get out there and then hey whatever try, works whatever yeah works. try yeah. try to, it's still uh it's still a hustle man but yeah just, just with a, a four and a half hour plane flight uh, tacked on so with the projects that you've done you know you because as you've done reality and you've done scripted stuff do you have a preference on which which you do 
Oh yeah, do- totally, man. I love, I love. I mean, the scripted stuff is, is, is where my heart is. I mean, I think we talked about this before. I made like these two short films that did okay at the, you know, at the festival circuit. Uh, one was a romantic comedy, and the other was a rom rom com musical. And you know, I, I can't believe I got jobs directing reality t- reality TV off those off those movies. But you know, they helped me pay those those short films off my credit cards. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's where my heart is. And then after I was doing, you know, I got lucky with reality TV and I was doing it so much. And I was, I would, every time I would wrap a show, I would try to shadow on a, on a scripted show. I try to connect the dots and, you know, shadow on, oh my God, man, I must have shadowed on like a dozen shows, which is like, you follow the the director uh, around and try to like get, you know, get to know the, the you know, the crew and the, and the execs and, uh, and, so, and I was having such a tough time convincing anybody that even though I made those short films and, you know, that, that the reality TV uh, skill set would, would transfer to scripted. So then, you know, after this crazy reality gig uh, that, I, that I shot up in the, in the UP, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in February, I just, I came, I came back to LA and that show had some wild tropes to it. And I was working on a show with, Jennifer Lopez called Dance Life. It was kind of like the hills for dancers uh, for MTV. And I think, you know, I usually have like a 6.30 a.m. call time. And I made myself get up at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning to bang out this terrible first draft of the script that became Killer Movie, my first feature about a killer loose on a reality film set, right? And and that was how I finally got my first... uh, first feature made and then to figure out how to get it financed and get it distributed. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Cause when uh, movies are made, they're either studio movies or they're independent films. And when you have an independent, independent film, you have to find private investors that bring money to the deal. So you've got to combine, it's a combination of trying to sell foreign territories beforehand so that you can then have some of that money up front to be able to then film the movie or, it's either papered where then you go to a debt or equity financing company to say, okay, we've got these territories that are going to buy the film for this amount of money as soon as it's done, but we need some upfront money to be able to produce the project. And then once it's delivered, then we will get that money paid back. So there's, there's quite a few uh, financing steps that, that are involved with the independent film. Whereas with studios, it's a lot harder to get stuff greenlit, but then once they are, they're essentially it's it's all you're, done in you're in the machine and you got top-notch marketing and every, everything else yeah um oh dude it was i was wishing i was wishing that i got an mba instead of a film school de- degree after trying to put put that together but i think we talked about this a little bit in florida so i i wrote i wrote the script and went through like i don't know six seven eight drafts of the script i probably could have gone through more looking back at it you know you want your first movie to be more like the reality of your fifth movie right like when you've already like made these mistakes and could truncate exposition and communicate with a composer but so i i, I got the script on and okay i gotta i gotta shorten the story so i i found a company uh uh it was like a sale a sales agent a distribution company that liked the script and um and basically they said, look, if you could raise half the equity, I think it had like a $1.8 million budget. 
and if you can if you could raise half the equity, then we'll um, we'll, we'll do the other half. And it was kind of like what you were describing, Colin. It was like gap financing, foreign presales, but they wouldn't give me any list of actors. And and I was I was uh, and I I loved I worked as a casting assistant. I always like you know I, I was so passionate about casting and you know, like you know and, and actors and. Um, I, uh, so I, I, um, so I did, uh, I, and raising the money was crazy. It was like a thousand no's, right? I'm like, I have to ask, you know, there, you have to ask people for, for money, yeah. right? So uncomfortable, right? How do you, how do you bring that up in conversation? Here's my film. I'm really excited about, do you want to write a check? Right. So I, my, my buddy who I just saw, he, he and his, uh, his, his wife and, and kids over the weekend here in New York, um, he was a, a Wall Street guy. We went to undergrad together at, at Florida, and um, he taught me about like a, a strike point and right, like and the the, re, the return of the inve- return on investment. And since film was like a high risk investment, you had to have a higher ROI uh, re- return on, on the investment to offer it, and they get first money back plus a bump if the movie does better. Okay, anyway, so what kind of return do investors normally so- get? The film. So on, on this, on the independent movie, it was first dollar back for the movie, plus a 20% ROI uh, return on their investment. Then once it reached 120, it splits a, between like actor and, you know, and, and deferrals and the other 50% go, goes to the investors. So once the movie becomes whole, which at that point would be like 3 million bucks, then they get a 50% split of, a, of any, uh, any upside. Okay. So, you learn how to, I learned how to pitch that. And then, dude, it was like, I was like shooting all day on, on reality shows, then driving to like Burbank to meet at a karaoke bar with like a dentist son who had acting aspirations, whose dad wanted to like invest in movies or something like that. You're like, just Mm -hmm. like pitching, you know, you're pitching your project so much and you get a bunch of no's. And I got no's to the point where I'm like, I, I, cause you can't, you can't touch any of the money that you raised, obviously, until you you, you raise the whole whole budget. But um, okay, I'm gonna skip ahead of the story. I ended up raising. <laughs> sorry, babbling here. Uh, I raised half half the budget, right? And I was like, okay, we yeah. got it. And they gave me, and, and then the budget was three million. It was one eight. So I think we it, it was one eight. It was one five, and we had a rebate. We were shooting in Minnesota. Or we were shooting in in a in a in a incentivized state so it was 750 i think was the raise i had to get to to go so i raised that 750 and they gave me their 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 casting list for it and this is no offense to these actors no offense whatsoever but i mean the this ended up just think about it this ended up these roles ended up being played by paul wesley kaylee cuoco leighton meester ended up playing playing or uh, I'm trying to think. Or uh, Paul Wesley from Vampire Diaries. From Vampire Diaries, Kaylee, who went on to you know Big Bang Theory, and uh, yep. late when, when I'm the Gossip Girl. But okay, I'll, yeah. I'll back up. They they gave me their three their three choices, and it was Udo Kier, who maybe Miriam is a, a fine German actor, a little older now. Okay, David Carradine and uh, an actress named Dominique Swain, who had done the remake of of Lolita, and yeah. I'm like, okay. And there were two coaches in this story. I'm like, if you want, you know, Udo Kair and David Carradine to play the coaches and they want to do it, that's awesome. No, I mean, they wanted them to play the 25-year-old leads, like the part that Paul played in, in 2000, 2008. And, uh, and I was looking for somebody with, with comedy for the 
the Blanca part. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I don't even want to see that movie. You know, no, but I, I don't know less, yeah. no less make it. So, and these um, were financiers, they, they said who they wanted. This was the distribution company, right? So that's yeah. who made their foreign sales, their foreign pre-sales make, make sense. And, um, and I, uh, so I, 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 I had started casting a friend of mine that I worked in, in casting with, we, we had got a little bit, we got like 50 grand of the budget released to location scout. Cause it was called dead of winter when I originally wrote it. Cause we, we needed to be filming while there was still snow in, in Minnesota and, and start casting. And I found these like six unknown actors, right. Or, or, you know, quote unquote unknown. This was 2007. And, um, I cut together their reel and I went back to the investor pool. I'm like, look, I've done my due diligence with my friends that work in marketing at the studio. They're like the star of a horror movie it is the genre. You want to put the best possible actors in it. That That's who you want to put. And they cut this reel with Paul Wesley's audition, Kaylee's audition. Uh, you know, we, it was Tori DeVito, uh, Rob Buckley, um, Leighton. Leighton, we just, Leighton, Leighton was a straight, straight offer we just had we had tape on uh, on late at the time and then uh, uh i'm 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 leaving leaving a couple of people out anyway i cut this reel i'm like look at i think these these actors are fantastic here's what i heard from you know from the due diligence i did and those existing investors they doubled down and they let us just go ahead with that cast based on based on that reel and we got to shoot with them and then you know six months later you know, Kaylee, uh, Big Bang, Big Bang went on the air. Gossip Girl went on the air. Paul booked Vampire Diaries. Uh, Tori wound up on Pretty Little Liars. Uh, Rob Buckley took over One Tree Hill. So, so you like, lucked out having these actors blow yeah. up before your movie came out. Yeah, I looked. At, I looked at, yeah, and I looked at. They wanted to do it. I was, you know, I got to. I got to have my first choice in all the parts. I was very lucky. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Were you happy with the outcome of it? Was it what you thought it would be? I'm sure a huge learning experience. Yeah, it was, dude. You know, it, the movie came out in two. It, we got into Tribeca. We got into, we played the opening night of Tribeca, which was so exciting oh, wow. in May of 2008. And, and this is your first real feature film. That you, first feature. Yeah, like the, the two shorts did pretty well at like yeah. you know the you know Chicago Film Festival Sundance that kind of or. It, uh uh different different uh different um uh festivals but um this was my first like big big uh big feature and, and it played dude selling a movie in 2008 was about as much fun as selling a condo in 2008 right because we got it it sold and then it was going to come out halloween 2008 and i think that just the company that bought it went bankrupt october 1st 2008 so it was such uh it was such a bummer right i was like got the wind knocked out of my sails. But as a director, if I look back at it, I had so much to learn, right? Like I, I didn't know it was a horror comedy. I didn't like managing that tone, like Wes Craven and Kelly, Kevin Williamson make that look really easy. Uh, but it's hard. I needed to have such better skills, you know, communicating with, uh, with my composer. I needed to put so much work into the temp, like music and and the 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 temp needle drop songs but i had these great performances i had you know these actors that i that i loved and you know i still have a soft spot for that movie but i went back and i did a director's cut like 
10 years later when we were locked down for COVID. It was like a crazy opportunity. I cut six, the movie was only like 95 minutes long. I cut 16 minutes out of it and just restructured it and tried to fix it. So definitely saw my shortcomings as a first time director doing that. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that after all those many years that you could still go back and I guess, I mean, I guess you could, right? Go back and recut and... Yeah. Well, when you're locked up for COVID, you start getting, <laughs> start getting, you start getting creative. Hey, I'm sure you shot it on 35 millimeter, right? We shot it on 35. Yeah. My buddy Dino Parks, who shot my short films, he's the DP on Yellowstone. Uh, um, but he shot it. And all, all my friends that, all my friends that did my short films with me did, you know, most of them came and did, did that first feature. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Alicia Lishi is asking if a movie flops, do you lose everything? No pay for anyone and investors lose their money too. If a movie flops, yeah. Well, I mean, if it gets nothing, if it makes nothing, yeah, then you you, you lose your investment. Hopefully, that's you know, want to avoid that at all costs. You become feel very responsible. If that happens. Yeah, I mean, that's why you want to leverage the foreign pre-sales. Because even when you do deliver the the final cut, you're going to get some money back from these foreign pre-sales that will make up for some of the investment. And if the investor is first in, first out, then they're somewhat protected for part of their investment, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Um, from working on these films and then doing the like reality, because you worked with the the Kardashians, um, what was that like? Because I'm sure a lot of people want to know like what it's really like to work on a show like that. Where is, I mean, some of that stuff has got to be uh, partly the the storylines. Do you guys sit with Kim and her sisters and be like, all right, guys, what do you want to do for this episode, or do you just follow them around the house with a camera and just you know, just see what they do and say. How much of okay. is it? Like, I gotta figure out how. I gotta figure out how I can answer this. Okay. Um. So, so like, so Colin, I I was so that was season eleven of the car of, of the Kardashians when it came on. So it was a very well oiled machine. I had done shows. I had done a a lot of shows with Buna Murray, the production company. Before I'd done like making the band and the challenge and the simple life and uh, other shows with them. I had a really good relationship, and um. So that was the season that Caitlyn Jenner uh, uh, transitioned, right? Yeah. And they were shooting a show called I Am Kate. And um, from my understanding, one of the things that Caitlyn asked is if she could have, you know, a bunch of uh, a bulk of the uh, of the regular Kardashian crew or shoot with, with them sometimes because there, there's a bigger comfort level. So mm -hmm. I, I went in there with with another woman uh, named Erin, kind of as as co uh, co EPs, and um, I. And I to, to be completely honest, I hadn't watched a lot of the show before I, I, I worked on it. So I, I watched a, a bunch uh, of, of the show before and I'm like, oh, OK, well, I, I see what this is. This is a comedy about rich people. Right. There, here's a little reality pod at, at the at the middle. Here's the storyline you're you're focused on uh, in the middle. Like, let's throw mom a, you know. 50th birthday party or 60th birthday party, right? And then he, here's the little reality pod at the end and, and you structure it down. I, I, and they were, again, it was a very well-oiled machine. Uh, like 
honestly watching the business acumen that that trickled down from from Chris Jenner uh, I was was like a like a, a bonus MBA right there was such a um you know and I I mean speaking you know candidly to you um I had had a little experience, but believe it or not, like I believe, like when we did Simple Life, like the the first season, I think Kim was Paris's stylist. Like she was like helping her like pull clothes for it. It was crazy, right? And, and my 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 impression of them just from the media uh, from from media was different from how I found them. I actually found them much um, uh, softer. Like they they were very. Um, uh, uh, you know, they seem kinder. Like, remember, like, first time I, I saw Chloe, I'm like, man, she's very, very funny. Like, she's got a great sense of humor. She's very quick witted. And, yeah. you know, and, and they, they, they knew, they knew, uh, they knew the drill. So you, you knew what the events were going to be, right? You knew what the big tent poles, like, this is Fashion Week in New York, something that you know a lot about from reading your book, right? And, uh, um, uh, but then when something big happens, like, you know, in, in their real life in the season, that can that can take over. Like if somebody gets out of rehab or there's something else, something else, you know, uh, uh, going on. But, you know, it's they try uh, to screw up the pot with because I've had friends who have been on like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and they they try to create stir up some drama. Just obviously, you know, just. Oh, yeah. I sure things. There, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at the, like, I feel like if I'm good at reality television at all, it's like, I'm, I'm okay with story and I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very direct. I feel like if I'm going to like lie to you, like I, I did a little bachelor type, uh, uh, type, type stuff. And this, there are shows that are very overtly manipulative like that. It's not my strong suit. It's not a good fit. I feel like the best stuff I'm going to get are from honest interview bites that are, that are legit or like in the case of something like simple life where you could find the, the humor in it. And if somebody, yeah. like if you start manipulating somebody, if you start lying to somebody, they're not going to, they're not going to give you anything organic. They're going to, their guards going to be up. They're going to think you're a D bag, you know? So it's not, it's not my, that, that's, so that's you're not a reality director with heart and you care. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on my tombstone, please. God, I'm so, so and freaking Day Fiance. That's actually one of my mom's favorite TV shows. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's all. <laughs> I mean, it's a routine. Dude, it's got to, you know. I mean, is that for real? I mean, is that legit where, like, these, these people are legitimately wanting to get married? And is yes, it more so for the green card or do they actually fall in love? Oh, I know oh, that, that's, that's, that's <laughs> anyone's, uh, anyone's well, well, from a structure standpoint, it's got a ticking clock built, built in, yeah. right. Cause they have 90 days from when that visa starts to, to go there. Yeah. And it's often one international person, one domestic person. And, um, very colorful characters, right. Very, uh, very, uh, uh, colorful characters, but I mean, yeah, you ask yourself and, and I think, you know, you play along at home. I've definitely shot that, that show where I think, okay, these people legitimately, you know, care about, care about each other. And then, mm -hmm. you know, other times where I'm, I'm like the audience, I'm, you know, not 
altogether uh i don't know i yeah. hope so right we want yeah. we want everybody to have a happy ending right you've done a good enough job on the show to uh to make it enticing and attractive for people to watch so you're obviously doing something right Oh, I, I can't take all the, the 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 credit. That's another well-oiled machine that I uh, that I uh, I pitch in when I pitch in when I can. I'm not a. There's a. Did you with any of the casting on that, or is it pretty much you direct whoever is? No, that that one like fit in with my school schedule because it's it's a rotating wheel. There's so many uh, different couples that you check in at different tent poles that you can kind of plug and play. So if I have a couple, you know that they in a certain region it's easy to go but they're already uh i mean i'm on the actual the one i've worked on was the actual 90 day so they're already uh like arriving when i uh when, when i come it's already already deep in, in, into and then uh, do you do several successive episodes or is it because sometimes with shows they'll change directors pretty much every week yeah, that that one I'm 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 more I'm I'm fill, filling in the gaps. But like in in my experience, like I'll get I'll get couples, right? So I'll be able so I'll know that story arc when it, when I when I go in, I'll know what I'll know what's going on there. Okay. And for people who are wanting to get into the business cuz obviously you teach at Savannah School of Art and Design, right? College of Art and Design. Yeah. College of Art and Design. Um, so college, yeah, it's called SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. Yeah. Okay. Um, for for students that are coming into your classes, do you tell them that they have to pretty much decide between scripted and reality, or is it kind of like whatever? It seems like you've been able to do both. But yeah. Kind of no. unusual, right? Yeah. So, dude, I listen. I, I'm not like I, I always. I felt like you know. I feel like felt like reality TV was like the red-haired stepchild of you know of film of filmmaking. I was never. I was you know. It was never. It wasn't my like. You know, a, a big I, I, a source of, a source of pride for me. But I, I have to respect what it did do, which it taught me a ton about story structure, and it taught me a ton about natural dialogue. Right. So, so I, so I don't think that you would, you would have to choose, but, but it will tell you like the early real world, like doing that early, um, Buna Murray stuff. And when you'd shoot a hundred hours of, of footage, right. Like constantly shooting. And then you look in the edit room, this is a 21 minute and 30 second episode. Right. And you have to really go down and be like, okay, here are the eight scenes that make this a story. Here are the four scenes that make this, this B story. And yeah. how do you structure in that in a way that it's a satisfying story in, in one episode? It would. And then when I first started writing scripts, everyone sounded like me, like everyone had the same, like boring, like, you know, uh, kind of attach them, but when you when you're tr following real people around with headsets on and making notes, you're like, okay, this is this cadence. This is this you know little tick they have when they're talking. So I and then if you're shooting a scene for two hours and it becomes a minute and thirty seconds of screen time, you're very efficient about what you need to turn this story right? Okay. Here's what you need in this scene. This is what this scene is about. This is when I go. So it makes you a very fast and efficient shooter uh, when you, when you're doing scripted stuff. So I, I don't think you'd have to, you'd have to um, have to choose. I think just no story, right? Like do your yeah. best to be like always thinking, where's the act out? What am I going to do? Where, where is this satisfying? You know? Yeah. 
I guess I, I never really thought about that. Um, watching a reality show in terms of learning how to create most realistic dialogue. I think that's definitely something that's interesting. Oh yeah. The reality yeah. show, I don't know about the realistic dialogue. Sometimes that's like, okay, this is, you know, this, this that you set up. But then when you're going to, when you're, when you're typing, when you're writing a, a script, I'm always, Oh my God, like killer movie, but all, all of them were, were based on, you know, what learned listening to all oh, this. Yes. On okay. People that I spent a lot of time with. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, so we have a question here from Pam Renal. She has, she asks, which one is more challenging, scripted or unscripted? Yeah, unscripted is more challenging. The smaller crew, the smaller crew. You're, you. I mean, the hills changed everything, dude. You're asking non-actors to hit their mark, hit their light, and make an emotional turn. Nothing could make you seem like the world's worst director than you know. Yeah. Than, yeah. Uh, it's so much harder. You have to, you have to make it, you have to make it real. You, you have to make it, you have to try to drill down to the most authentic emotion that you can find any way you can. It's, it's a lot more heavy lifting and it's, 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 it's a, it's a long day. Got a, you know, scripted is like, you got like a, you know, a happy army, every, all these, you know, people that are great at their job running, mm -hmm. you know, heading up different apartment, different departments, you know, bringing the best they can to wardrobe, production design, cinematography. Yeah, also. yeah. yeah no, totally Not makes sense. Super talented people, they do. It's just a, it's just less of them usually to, to pull it yeah. off. Yeah, and then with the uh, two Hallmark movies that you did, My Christmas Love and Christmas Camp. Yeah. How uh, did those come about? How did you get to direct those? Okay, so off killer movie, I got a Lifetime movie. It's called The Bachelor to Die For when we shot which I with, with Parker Young. Uh, Parker was on here uh, on oh, yeah. and, um, and uh, Annie Alonza. Then they were you know awesome. But, so I did that with a production company called Mar Vista, and then, um, and then and then off that and then uh, a buddy that had been you know we'd been friends since we were assistants together was an exec at, at Mar Vista. Matt had who was also a longtime friend was working at Mar Vista, and then this guy Larry. Uh, Grimaldi sent me the script for my Christmas love. Cause they were, they were doing Hallmark, uh, Hallmark movies. And Larry like remembered my short films, you know, from, you know, that I liked like rom-coms and musical stuff. And then Christmas camp was also, uh, was also with them. And I had the relationship with, with Hallmark at, at that point. Did you have to go in and actually pitch your, your take on the movie? Cause I mean, that's what it's with directing, you know, would just getting to know Luke Greenfield who directed my movie, something borrowed that I did. Yeah. He was telling me how much like actors, when they go into audition for a movie, he had to go in and pitch his take on that movie. So a lot of the times you have to go in as a director with a certain idea or take on what, how you'd want to tell that story um, is that something that you normally have to do or is it now you've created these relationships where people just kind of think of you or know of you or. I think, I think that one, I was lucky because I think I did that for, you know, killer reality. And, and then in the early creative conversations, you know, you have lots of, um, lots of, uh, references. So, so you're trying to talk about things you could do like one thing when, 
you know, because I really liked rom-coms. But one thing that I that I noticed when I was watching the, the Hallmark movies is that they 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 often they're, they're just they're just they're it's almost like a hard start. Right. You're right into this world. You know, Miriam was joking before the show, the world of baking. Right. Or the world of, uh, you know, I'm a pediatrician. But, you know, when you look at great rom coms like Something Borrowed or, you know, even like, you know, like uh, Devil Wears Prada or How to Lose a Guy, there's a great runway to get in where you're really getting a sense of, of who that who that character is, right? When you're, you're getting a sense of their city, the the environment. And I think those conversations were like, hey, I, I love the script. Here's some ideas where I feel like we could really open it up, where we could define these characters. You know, mm -hmm. in, the back, in the back of my head, I wasn't saying it out loud. Like, here's a way we can pretend that these people actually had sex once in their life before <laughs> before mm -hmm. this movie starts, you know, and still maintain, maintain uh, uh, the G rating we need to have, you know? But uh, so, you, so you try to pitch... Um, ideas, some some visual references, like uh, other films that did it, you know, particularly well. Again, like like something borrowed, uh, and uh, and those kind of like you know awesome awesome rom coms that came out. And of the when you do come in to go, when you do go pitch a project or pitch to direct, um, it's I would imagine you'd have you'd want to have a few different versions in case they didn't like it or if you could tell that they did, weren't responding um, I guess, or is it you just go in there with one idea of how you would want to tell the story. And then, cause when I go into an audition, if a yeah. casting director sees that there, there may be some potential there, she'll give me some direction say, you know what? Um, she sees something in there, but then she'll say, or he will say, uh, you know, can you do it this way? Can you add a little bit of more, um, intensity or whatever it is where they actually kind of give you some direction in the room. Um, sometimes you walk into the room and it's basically like, all right, thanks a lot. Don't, you know, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. So you never really know what the temperature of the room is. Sometimes you can tell, sometimes you can't tell. Is it pretty similar for directing pitching when you go in there and uh, no, it's, it's a great, it's a great question. Look, you're, 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 you know, you're talking about giving an adjustment, like, you know, in, in the room, which we could have a whole sidebar conversation on, like this world of taped auditions, where you don't get like the luxury of meeting the actor in person and actually getting to know them and, and, and giving an, you know, and trying it a different way. Cause somebody yeah. can send in a, you know, a taped audition that it was like 30 takes, right. Then they can't actually recreate that in their coverage. If you, if you wanted, you know, do it. Not everyone is Colin Egglesfield, you know, it's like, there's a, um, but but yeah, dude, listen, I've gone in, usually you're going like top three, you're getting sent to network. It's kind of like, it's kind of like networks, right? So once you make it past the the first couple of rounds and you're like kind of in the top three, then you have to go pitch yourself to the, the studio or, or, um, or the network. I mean, I got a story. I got a story for you about like 16, 16 hoops I, I, I jumped through, but, but yeah, all I can do is give my organic take and what i think of it usually they're not going to give me an adjustment usually they're going to be like all right girl, thanks for coming in you know not yeah not we had in mind but and we have a good question here from joe marples um they're asking do you always meet the writer so you have an idea of how they wanted their characters perceived or portrayed yeah that's a great question um yeah i would say more often than not no yeah i 
I, I don't you you get in depending on the on the budget point um yeah. for sure my christmas love the writers were great they came to set like that script was so fun when when i, I read it like you know and, and they were out for the beginning and they were really great collaborators but stuff with lower budget yeah you you're it's you know I, i've done shows where i i've never met the writer i've had to like literally like email their agents <laughs> I'd say, hey, we just were wrapped. I'd love to tell them, you know, what our <laughs> good experience it was. Wish them the wish them the best, you know. But uh yeah, I don't always get to meet them. And then stuff like I've been, you know, I wrote a bunch of stuff, uh stuff myself. So this one Yeah. And so now that you're writing your own stuff and pitching it, is it just you're leveraging your relationships from just being in the business or you're starting to reach out to to new production companies or you, you try not to go in you try not to go in cold right like i, I try to connect the dots i, I def, definitely try to start with people they had successful working relationships with but like i got this note that you know a friend of mine gave me this advice you know try to do one thing for this like 80s coming of age comedy i, I wrote we try i'm trying to do one thing every day to drive that that uh ball fall forward so it's like I have to think outside the box. It's like the the stone cutter's credo. You know, it's like you're you're knocking that stone a hundred times, waiting for it to break. Then the hundred and first first it kind of uh finally breaks. But yeah, because uh, it's you know you and I have started to pitch some projects, and I'm starting to learn that you know you got to get used to a lot of no's before you hear that. Well, I'm sort of interested, you know, but we need want to tweak this or change this, and uh, yeah. I'm just trying to figure what is the best way to uh, to be able to present to the heads of production at these studios in order to give them what they want? It's not easy. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. And sometimes the toughest thing is like that log line, right? It, is the little is being able to like do that elevator pitch to like, what is this about? Like, you know, what's the driver and and how do you pitch this in the, uh, you know, in the length of, a, of an elevator ride? Right. Going, going that in. But yeah, it is. It's, I know our, our pitching, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, there's it, definitely it's, a lot to it. And I would say yeah. a lot of, uh, um, you know, just experience of having an idea of what each production company looks for. And, and then maybe lots of dinners and drinks with some of these heads of production. Yeah. Yup. Send you in for that, brother. You're the secret. Okay. Secret, secret weapon, dazzling them with your movie star uh, charisma. Well, that's uh, that's what we're working on. So, <laughs> fingers crossed that we actually get some uh, some stuff going this upcoming year. Um, Joe Marples is asking: uh, Have you ever known of a writer who has disagreed with changes to a script or has played their character? Uh, does some do some writers keep some amount of creativity during production? Yeah, I guess I, I would say on most of the projects that I've been a part of, the writer really has not been around. Um, I guess with like a big studio movie, they did have a script doctor on set um, who was helping us as we did our rehearsal. And once we did the table read where we, they heard the the dialogue being said out loud, then they did come in and change some stuff. But yeah, I would say from more so than not, the writers really uh, kind of, it's like, here, 
we bought it. Now we get to do whatever we want to it. It seems from my, from my experience. Yeah. Same. I mean, I'm sure if you're like, you know, Tony Kushner or, you know, uh, there's plenty of writers, you're, you're probably going to get a, a producing credit. You could probably, you'll probably be, you know, in, in involved in the, in the uh, creative process. Um, and, and, you know, and, and sometimes, you, you know, I, like again, with, uh, with um, Brian and Garrett on, on my Christmas love, they were such, um, such clever creative guys, you know, and, and so adept at those fixes, it was one less thing, you know, uh, I, had, I had to worry about, right? Like, you know, if they, you know, but um, I, I guess the question is like, is the writer, would the writer be unhappy with, like, is the character that they wrote um, a, a different character, you know, not at all how they imagined in the final movie. I almost guarantee how that happens because I'm going to put my lens on who I think, you know, I'm always leaning more towards the slightly comedic, a little bit more levity, right? So that's you're going to be a you're going to have a, a way different, um, a, a way different lens. Maybe your interpretation is going to be a, a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah, and comedy is different too because with comedy, sometimes if whatever's on the page is not as funny as maybe something that an actor is able to improvise oh, on yeah. the spot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a throwaway line can become the best joke in the scene for sure. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to directing, what would you say is the best part of directing and the worst part of directing? Best part of directing, uh, the best part. Um, I love the I, I love um, the casting uh, process. I, I love, um, uh you know, I like when you were asking, like the first thing I did, like on this project I'm up for now, literally the first thing I did after I read, uh, wrote the, um, read, finished the script was write like a, a casting list for like the top four, four, uh, four, four roles. Like here would be my dream, you know, list people that I think would knock this uh, out of the park. You were on that list, by the way, no, no, uh, of course. Uh, um, uh, uh, it's great, man. Making it like if you're when you're there on set and like and the cameras are rolling and a scene goes well and you feel like, oh, I captured something that's funny or has real emotion or, or seems uh, 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 great, you know, great that that, you know, that that's that's amazing. Um, I don't know what the you know, the worst part is you, you're balancing your. OK, well, how do I do this? I've. You know, he, I, I'm on my first day of shooting. Only two of my actors have traveled uh, in, into town. All the scenes are boarded for, for this day. We're shooting a Christmas movie in July. It's 94 degrees out and the snow machine's broken. So I can't shoot any of my uh, yeah. exteriors that are present. So now what, what else can I shoot last minute that has these two actors in it? And how can I pivot you know, to make it so like in that moment where you're like, I got to make my day. Nobody's going to care if I tell them, you know, at the end of day one, oh, the snow machine broke. I didn't get my scenes. Like, how can I keep calm and still get these nine pages in the can? Right. Yeah. That that's tough. But bumping out of that, like sometimes when you get the first time you get notes, when you're all excited, like, here's my director's cut. I'm working on this. You know, like I'm finally turning this over. and then. The notes are just, there's nothing they like. Just, it's just like 
seven different people telling you like they're sometimes conflicting opinions about what doesn't work. Like that first moment is just like, you feel like you've just read mean, like uh, um online tweet, you know, uh, <laughs> online commentary. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, yeah. I would say to be uh, what makes a great director is being a great problem solver, a great yeah. psychologist, uh, someone who can mediate, but also someone who is a great leader and is able to make decisions on the fly. Um, I'm, as you said, you were reading my book. Uh, have you gotten to the part where I talk about Steven Spielberg uh, filming Jaws and how when they were yeah. putting, they were doing all the tests for the shark in a freshwater pool in Los Angeles and it was working fine. And then when they brought the mechanical shark out to Massachusetts and put it in the saltwater, the foam started to swell up, the wire started to rust, and they blew through a majority of their budget within the first few weeks. And at 26 years old, Steven yeah. Spielberg's career almost ended before it even started. And he asked the question, what would Alfred Hitchcock do in this moment? And he started to ask questions where it's not about focusing on the problem. It's focusing on what else could we do in this moment to convey or create the idea behind all of this without maybe having to actually show it. And so the image of the woman swimming in the water with her just kind of getting, you know, tugged under or just even a fin is a lot scarier and, uh, and a lot more, um, it, it leads more into your imagination about how dangerous this really could be than actually showing a, a ugly rubber shark that may just look stupid. Yeah. So it's terrifying with that John Williams score. Yeah, I loved it. I don't, dude, I finished your book. I loved your book, by the way. And I talked Thank to you, you about it. I think like the modalities you talk about in there and navigating the industry and God, your 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 trajectory is fascinating, man. Fascinating. I love, love, loved from your uh, from your uh, from your modeling uh, from your from your launch at that <laughs> Chicago follow up to. Uh, to Armani's house. It was amazing. And all the speed bumps in between. And, yeah. and it's still, even to this day, you know, it's, it doesn't get, it doesn't get easier. Um, but what I love about it is that I get to meet and work with amazing creative people like yourself. Um, I, I just love being around creative people. And that's one thing that I've, uh, that has kept me, brought me, keeps bringing me back to this industry is that just being around creative people who, who uh, don't take no for an answer. And we just come up with, you know, if we hear a no, we, we identify what would you know be the best chance for us to get a yes. And I swear, like, we're going to, we're going to crack this nut. We're going to no. like, we are definitely going to be working together. Um, from yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't wait, brother. I mean, listen, yeah. I like, I, you know, I, I you, you continually impress me so much. It's this weird, this trifecta of like this, like the the best part of like, you know, a, a nice like Midwestern guy who's really business minded and then open to these kind of um, spiritually aware, like mo modalities, right? Like without, without the ego going in, I think, yeah. I, man, everybody, I think everyone navigating life should check out Agile Artist give a lot you're very generous with the things that that kind of help turn a, a you know a, a key 
uh, the, the, the key for you and things that within work. Oh, sorry, not to divert off, uh, off that. Yeah. Set, like the yeah. back page of your, uh, your I appreciate that. Um, well, but, I appreciate your time, Jeff. And uh, we've gotten to the point of the show now where I want to ask you some questions about your favorite projects, your favorite movies. And uh, I actually pulled up My Christmas Love on Picticular. So what's great about Picticular, so it's time for the Picticular Pick 6, where I'm going to be asking you your favorite uh, six questions uh, for films, actors, actresses. And what's great about Picticular is that you can type in the name of any movie and you can watch Jeff's movies by going downloading Picticular. I typed in Christmas Love and boom, there it is. And then the trailer pops up. The actors who are in the movie are here. So you can then click on see whatever other projects they've done. And the great thing about it is that you get to then see where you can actually watch the movie. Because a lot of people are like, well, Colin, where can I watch your movie? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, because all the different platforms, distribution platforms, they change with their licensing agreements and all that. So you can watch A Christmas Love on Prime Video, on Vudu and Apple TV. So yes. download particular. All right, Jeff, are you ready for the particular pick six? I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. Right. So what was your favorite or what is your favorite movie of all time? Okay. This is a tough one. I already gave it away. And it's a, it's a top three that goes, one of them is very much in your old AMC world. Soap Dish continues to be one of my, my favorite movies. Uh, and then okay. between that and Cinema Paradiso, which is this uh, Italian movie I love. But The Poseidon Adventure is still my favorite movie of all time. I just love that movie i could talk about it four hours yes I love all right it. awesome i can't wait to to watch it i love oh, dude it's so good okay it's a all right. flick it's a good awesome the original. Uh, the original yeah uh this may be the same answer but what was your favorite movie growing up when you were a kid Okay, this is not a butch answer. I'm just warning you. But 16 Candles, I think, was my favorite favorite oh. movie. I love John Hughes. And like something about that movie just made me so happy. I was an usher in a movie theater. I think I watched it, you know, 25 yeah, times. times. Awesome. Love that movie. Absolutely love that movie. Um, all right. What, since it is the holiday season, what is your favorite holiday movie? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, Love Actually is a really uh, sweet, uh, I, I think a, a really sweet ho holiday movie. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah I'll let, let me uh, let me go with that. I, I like them. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a great like choice. Them, uh, yeah. Sweet one. Um, how about what is your favorite comedy? Okay, I thought about this. So this is other than your flick, other than Something Borrowed, which I think is an excellent movie. Again, I, I had a tough time narrowing this down. I was going to go Working Girl or uh, Moonstruck. I love, but I think from a rom-com perspective, I'm going to go The Proposal, but with a caveat, right? Just because I think those two comedic actors, all those two shots of Bullock and uh, and Ryan Reynolds, like Reynolds. doubling down, you get double the jokes in every frame because every time one of them lands a joke, you get the reaction from the other. And I think it, uh, I think it's really well. I think I think it's a really well done rom com. So, 
when shooting comedies like that, where let's, I mean, when you've got two incredibly talented actors who are playing off each other like that, because you've got coverage on one actor at a time, especially with close-ups, uh, do you feel like it's hard to recreate the same authentic reactions or comedy when you're having to shoot a bunch of takes on one actor and then turning the camera around to then have the other actor hearing the same joke over and over again. Do you find that uh, you try to set it up where both cameras are on both actors? So you're getting that authentic reaction for the first time or what do you think? Yeah. Um, well, in that, in that, in that movie, they, they did a lot more, they did a lot more wides and did a lot more two shots. So you could put them next to each other and, and you could actually yeah. keep, which, you know, I love this stuff. Um, dude, I haven't done like big studio flicks. So I'd like to do pickups, right? Like all floor pitch. So while we're rolling before we'll cut, I'll be like, especially if it's a button in the last line, like, can you do yeah. me a favor? Can you, can you give me this three times, uh, you know, in, in a row or, or I'll pitch alts like uh, on the day to kind of, yeah keep it fresh or sometimes act you know the actors will have a great idea like um in my christmas love and i just have to to put them like meredith hagner bobby campo great great comedic uh comedic actors they'll give you they'll give you a little bonus you know at at, at the end in, in in extra take so just trying to keep it keep keep it uh keeping it fun keeping it fresh trying yeah. trying something different yeah it always helps to hire the best actors for the roles. And it's then everything. It's everything. It's 90%. 90% yeah. of the movie. All right. Who is your favorite actor or male character in a movie? Okay. And I, I'm good, not go, I can't go Dex in something borrowed. And I, I and I, I'm not gonna choose any of the actors, some of them that have been guests on That's your show. Yeah. Loved but. loved working with, loved working with. Can't choose them. Um I love, I love, I think Ryan Reynolds is very funny. And I, and I got to tell you, I saw your buddy Glenn Powell in set it up this rom-com he did for Netflix. And I think, I think that dude is, is got a lot of juice. He's yeah. very, he's a, he's a talented dude. Set it and up. Present Check company. It. Set it up's great. Great rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Zoe Deutsch, Glenn Powell. Okay. Uh, it's like spirit trap meets, um, uh, 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 Devil Wears Prada. They have two terrible bosses, and they figured the only way that they're gonna make their life uh, uh, decent is if they set their bosses up because they control their schedules. And then amazing, they it's adorable. Okay, definitely we'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, and last question: Who's your favorite actress or female character? Okay, great. This one's tough between these two. It's Rose Byrne, but I gotta go Emily Blunt just because. Damn, she's so, so friggin' talented. Yes. Crazy. Do you have a favorite movie that she, that she's in? So, Colin, I, I just think, like, when you see that one, that actor in that one role, and you're like, this person is such a star. And so I can't, you know, like, she was so unexpected in Devil Wears Prada, right? But yep. then you watch her in, like, Edge of Tomorrow, and I'm like, man, she can do great action, like, yeah. completely grounded, right? And it's then turn around and... And then Into the Woods, she's fantastic. She's great. Yeah. So great. And a sweetheart, too. Super sweet. Oh, okay. Super, super sweet. All right, Jeff, thanks so much, man, for your time and for your insight and knowledge. I really appreciate yeah. it. 
Um, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff or want to take any of his classes, you can get a hold of Jeff at his website, it looks like, jefffisherdirector.com. Yeah. Uh, JeffLA33 on Instagram, I think, is my, my handle there. There or you could just go to uh, my Instagram and I've tagged him for today's episode. So you can go there as well and start following him. Um, Jeff, before my guests leave, I love to ask the question, what inspires you? What uh, inspires you? Uh, like watching, watching great work inspires me. I saw Spielberg's new movie last night, The Fablemans, which I'm still like processing, but just seeing like, Seeing amazing, you know, seeing great work, whether it's work that makes me laugh, work that moves me, hopefully does both. It inspires me, man. Your book inspired me, dude, 100%. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think that's why we all love great movies. And yeah. I'm so looking forward to working with you. And uh, I know we're going we're gonna to do something this year, my friend. Very soon. Yes, it's very yeah. soon, very soon. Manifesting that. All right, yes, putting it out there into the universe. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much. Thanks, Have a great so talking to you. Thanks you for having too. me. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for being here for another episode. We've, uh, man, this was episode five already uh, for season five. And uh, thanks so much for your guys's, uh, your guys's support. And hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving and as we get ready for the holiday season here, I just want to let you know, too, that we are going to be doing the uh, holiday hang with Colin on, uh, I believe, you know, we're going to be putting up the, the information page for it. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's the 16th. And it is going to be uh, December, yeah, I think December 16th. Um, it's going to be an evening of, uh, it's going to be three hours. So we're going to be doing some massive goal setting. We're going to be doing um, some essentially some mind mapping where we're going to kind of create what we want to create for the new year for 2023, start putting down a little bit of a roadmap or a blueprint for what you want to create for the upcoming year. And then we're also going to be doing some cooking and, uh, we're going to have some, uh, some beverages. So it's going to be a, uh, three hours of, um, of just a, essentially a holiday dinner party virtually. And we're going to be breaking up into groups. So there's going to be some activities going along with it. And then also a great way to network and to, uh, to meet some new people and just share what you guys are up to for the upcoming year. And if you are in Chicago or planning on coming to Chicago for Rama Drama, the R3 stem cell uh, clan are going to be there, myself and Kathleen Francesco. And we're going to be doing vitamin infusions. We're going to have some information about stem cell therapy. And if anyone is out there and needing any, some, any sort of information about stem cell therapy and what the potential benefits are for you or any of your loved ones, you can go to r3stemcell.com and get a free um, consultation with our medical director and uh, find out if stem cell therapy is an option for you and whatever it is that uh, you're needing. So look forward to seeing you guys in Chicago. If you can make it to this upcoming weekend, you can go to ramadrama.com for tickets. And uh, in the meantime, hope you guys have a great beginning to your week and sending you guys all lots of love. All right. Talk to you later. See you soon.